This episode of What's the Story podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, including yours truly and my immaculately groomed co-host, Graham Merrow Merrigan. Now, if you're in the market for some beautiful town halls, we have an exclusive offer just for our listeners. 20% off and free shipping when you go to manscaped.com and use the code WTSPOD at checkout. And that's available worldwide. So if you're in Ireland, the UK, the US, Europe, Canada, Australia, doesn't matter. Use WTSPOD at checkout. You'll get that discount and that free shipping. Now, we've been banging on about Manscaped for a good while in this podcast. So I'm going to assume a lot of you out there are already using the good old Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer that features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those grooming accidents like nicks and tugs and scratches and all the things you get with lesser blades. I'm going to assume you're already benefiting from that advanced skin safe technology that Manscaped have. I'm also going to assume that your nasal hair and ear hair are completely under control. That they get regular trimmages thanks to the weed whacker. I'm going to make that assumption. What I'm here today to tell you about, lads, is Manscaped's brand new peak hygiene plan. It's a, it's just it's a cracking little package. That's what the ladies will say when you use the lawnmower, what? Anyway, it's a great little plan. <laughs> and it's a membership and it's a member's portal that allow you mix and match and tweak and pick and you can do all those things with all the different Manscaped products that you want and love. So Rather you want some ball deodorant, rather you want some replacement blades, rather you want some foot deodorant, rather you want a bit of ball toner, rather you want an old crop mop, the old ball wipe. You can mix and match, you can pick whatever you want, you get a scent to you, straight to your door, hassle free, so that your town hall hygiene is always going to pass inspection. You want more though? You want more good news about it? I mean, they give you a free gift. Yeah, that's right. You're not just getting discount with air code. You're not just getting great balls. You're not just getting clean and fresh and looked after. You're also getting a free gift every time. Isn't that good, huh? So your replenishment pack always comes with something a little bit extra to put a smile on your face. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code WTSPOD at checkout. You get 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using the code WTSPOD. Put Handsome on autopilot with the new peak hygiene plan from Manscaped. Hello everybody and welcome to WTS 231. My name's Danny Murray and alongside me as always is my co-pilot, a man who recently had a medical procedure and when asked if he's ever been bedridden, he said a few times and once in a van, Graham Merrill American. <laughs> you were going to use that, weren't you? <laughs> I was, yeah. I'm amazed I got it out without laughing to be honest. <laughs> I'll tell you what, your take, I'll tell you that, well, I'll use that when Paul Howard's on. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how it's done. Oh god. Right. Well look, no point messing around. Uh Frank Snatter once said uh, of love and marriage, you can't have 
one without the other. And the same goes for our two guests, who are now just part of the furniture in this podcast. Paul Howard and Gary Mackle. Gentlemen, how are you? Great to be here. Hello. Gary, you're in fine fettle this evening. Yeah. Man, man. And uh, you, you, were, you were just, as we were pressing record there, you had a comment for Graham about how he's, how he's appearing tonight. Would you, would you like to repeat that? Yeah. He's holding his phone very close to his face. So I said to him, it looks like you're about to meet George Michael for a, a morning glory. Graham's a good responder. He's just a dirty looking fucker. Look at him. Merlo's Wi-Fi for the for the, the last month has been on the blink. Now he's he's about ten seconds behind everything we're saying here. This has got me fucking cat. I'm not, am I? I can hear everything. Oh, you're you're just you're very slow to chime in to Gary's comment there. That's all. That's all. It's, 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 I heard it. It's repeat content. It wasn't uh-huh. funny the first time, so it wasn't funny the second time. I I found it humorous to be honest with you, and you do have the look of a George Michael fan off you. <laughs> <laughs> George Michael. Lads, I've been buzzing for this podcast now since January because Paul, a while ago, you said uh, you'd been watching VH or VH1's uh, 100 Greatest Power Ballads. Yeah. How how I, did that go? Like, I don't, lads. Now, Graham, you said you're not a fan of Power Ballads, which baffles me. I don't know how anybody can't be a fan of Power Ballads. I know they're good. I just I wouldn't I wouldn't be going out of the way to car journey or I have that on my Spotify or anything about Power Ballads. Right. You, you could have a secret Spotify list of power ballads like that, you know, in the event of your death, whoever got your phone wouldn't be able to find it or something like that, you know. <laughs> my power ballads are out there for everyone to see, and my love of power ballads is out there uh, for everyone to see. Last week, uh, I was watching the telly, um, and and uh, on VH, was it MTV? <clears throat> MTV Classic had um, Sure versus um, Tina Turner, right? It was oh. unbelievable, right? At the start, I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to separate these two, you know? And three hours of prime content later, I was I was just even more entrenched in that view, you know? Just brilliant song after brilliant song, you know? A great many of them power ballads, you know? But I would have my own... <clears throat> I'd watch the power ballads on VH1 if it's on. Mm. Of course I would, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm human, right? But I, I think... <laughs> I, I have I have my own um, lists on on the iPod like of power ballads that I put on the car like in the car, yeah. and they're the classics for me. See, my problem with with the VH1 power ballads is they put a lot of stuff in there that isn't really power ballad, right? It's kind of they put in like uh, you know the final countdown by Europe. Ah, no, I'm not having that. Uh, or some uh, living on a prayer by Bon Jovi, and they're not power ballads. You know, a power ballad is. Total Eclipse of the Heart, um, you know, No More the Fool by Elkie Brooks, something like that, you know, it's, but it's not that, it's not guitar bands, it's not hair bands or anything like that, you know, uh, mm. so I, I, I would, I would be, um, I'm quite discerning in, in, in my power ballads. Would like you be I, a purist? Would you consider yourself a purist? I don't know if I'm a purist, but I know what I like, you know, and, right. and, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff that, that, you know, mainstream, the mainstream would push at me as power ballad. It's not power ballads. And I, w- I would, I would actually have that argument in the house on my own with the television. Like when it, when it would come on, I would shout at the telly, like, you know, that is not a power ballad. That is not a power ballad. And I just mute the telly. 
<laughs> it's hard. It's hard watching them them programs anyway because you watch you get two songs. I don't know if you 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 guys are into the the VH1 channels. You know the music channels, yeah, yeah, you know, the 500s or something. And I mean, I love those, right? I flip and love them. But you're watching some song from from your childhood, like you know, watching like uh, Billy Jean or something like that, and then. You've got to watch about seven minutes of ads and they're the most depressing fucking ads you ever saw in your life. Like, you know, so you're, you're, you're on a high, like, you know, you're, you're dancing around the bathroom and the, the floor of the bathroom is lighting up because you're, you're dancing to fucking Billie Jean. Right. And then the next thing you're watching an ad for fucking funeral insurance, like, you know, and then, and then, and then these fucking depressing charity ads while very meaning and, for great causes, <laughs> quite often, right? But Jesus Christ, they bring you down. There was one on the other day. And the, I swear to God, right? I'm not making this up. The opening line was, right now, donkeys are suffering. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like, that's the, that's, and I'm, now in fairness, I, I was going to set up a direct debit with them because it was fucking horrific what I was looking at. <laughs> we, should well, give a, we should give a shout out to the donkey sanctuary down in Cork. Do great yeah, work. They do they do fantastic work. But what was kind of interesting, that was in the middle of this Tina Turner shirt thing. And mm. the, some of the donkeys in the videos actually had more meat on them than than Tina Turner and Cher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I presume in terms of Tina Turner and Cher and power ballads, if I could turn back time by Cher, it has to be right up there. Oh, I mean it's it it, it it's a classic, you know, it is it is a classic. Um I, I love that phase of uh, of Cher's uh, of Cher's career, you know, mm. um, uh, the the Heart of Gold, um, or sorry, Heart of Stone period. Yeah. She had that album. See, Cher, Cher really uh, liked Tina Turner. You know, she she was a kind of she was a she she was a star of the '60s and then and the sort of up to the mid '70s, and then she sort of disappeared for a bit, you know, and then reinvented herself in the '80s, and. That particular album, there was. If I could turn back time, there's a great song on that album called "Just Like Jesse James." Do you remember that? Well, yeah, I do. I know that. Ah, you're strutting into town like you're slinging a gun. Just a small town dude with a big city attitude. Honey, are you looking for some trouble tonight? And it's all this t- Wild West talk <laughs> as a kind of love, uh, as a sort of love ballad, like you know. And uh, there's a the the that's the line the the line of the chorus is now you're gonna go down in flames just like Jesse James. You're an outlaw lover and I'm after your hide. You ain't so you ain't so strong, won't be long till your hands are tied. It's fucking brilliant, like you know. How she could get that many Wild West metaphors into a into a, a, a ballad like that is just beyond me. I have to take my hat off to her. But anyway, um uh but she but that but I I see I got that album, you know. Mm. And I was going out with a girl from Glenageary, right? And she got us tickets to see Cher at the Point, right? The Point Depot. In 1990, kind of maybe October, November 1990, you know? Anyway, so we went down. And in those days, it was fucking terrifying to walk down to the Point, right? You see now you fucking soft lads when you're going down, like you're, you're surrounded by like glass and steel buildings and everything, right? In those days, it was just warehouses. It was like something from on the waterfront, right? You'd walk down there. I'm not making this up. One day I was walking, one night I was going down to a gig, might have even been that gig, and there was a, a, a kind of, you know, a barn door open and there was a dogfight happening in there. 
right? At about <laughs> seven o'clock in the evening, men were fighting dogs. It was fucking lawless, like, you know? So <laughs> Harry Crosby got his hands on it and did it all up. But but anyway, we were both terrified walking down there, you know? And um, and then we went to the gig and the share was on for about, I'd say she was on the stage for a total of about 40 minutes. And she had about 19 costume changes. And then she just played the songs on the album and fucked off, like, you know? <laughs> And it was terrible. And then I didn't see that girl again. And that's not really relevant to anything, you know, except <laughs> that I, 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 I've been a fan of Cher for a long, for, for, for a long, long time, you know. Gary, um, Gary, you, you're a man who uh, strikes me as you, you did a kind of, um, what's, oh, I can't even word, like not fancy dress, it, but you, 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 uh, thank you. Yeah, you, you took part in a lip sync battle, uh, and uh, you dressed up as the, the the girl I was singing Moulin Rouge. I, I'd imagine you would you'd be able to with with a dinghy down in the harbour, and uh, support from a few fellas. I think Torn Back Time would easily be recreated by you. Well, Torn Back Time was actually performed on the night uh, of the lip sync battle, oh. um, and the the chap who who done Torn Back Time made it to the final. Uh, the final which he lost to ourselves obviously because mm. we we won it i repeat we won it well, well done gary um, congrats, yeah, congrats. Where, where was it on gary was that in, uh, in our club in the our club bay paul oh, yeah. Bay. yeah 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 great night um but power ballads for me um i always think of white snake when i think of power ballads yeah. um and headbands long curly hair um I think Here I Go Again is is an absolute banger of a power ballad. I love it. Would would Meatloaf, I Would Do Anything For Love, fall into the yes. category for you? Yes. Not for me. Like, like, top of the Pops. It reminds me of Top of the Pops. And I love that era of Top of the Pops. I think it, it would for me. Um, that would be a power ballad for me. But see, Here I Go Again on my own, that wouldn't be a power ballad for me, right? But yeah. uh, say Whitney Houston... See, a lot of power ballads are by women, like, you know. I think yeah. about ninety percent of them are by women. And uh, the the um, what's that one? Not the greatest love of all. Yeah, that's, the greatest love of yeah, all. Je- that's Jennifer, ballad, really, you know. Yeah, Jennifer, what's your caller saying that? Didn't she? No, good. Greatest love of all is Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston sung that. Yeah. What, what, what am lo- I thinking of? Then? Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. It's supposed to be about. Self-love. Oh, what is your favourite power ballad, Paul? Uh, I think, um, didn't we almost have it all by Whitney Houston? Either that or Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. Uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Has to, it's, it's in the top three for anyone. Oh, I mean, it's, it's an amazing song. And I think the same guy who wrote a lot of Meatloaf songs wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart. But we would put... We would put Total Eclipse of the Heart on, me and Mary in the car, and just belt that out, like, when we're yeah. sitting or driving, you know? And then just stick it on repeat, do it again, do it again, you know? Just what a song, you know? And then what, even wind down the windows and, and, and give it a bit, you know, out the windows. It's, uh, yeah, well, I mean, but those two for me are, you know, didn't we almost have it all and Total Eclipse of the Heart? I'd, I'd have... Uh, I'd have a lot of audio speedwagon up at the top top end of oh. my tier now. Absolutely love them. But then Alana Miles Black Velvet. Now that's oh, yeah. one when it comes yeah. on. You can't you can't help yourself like. Yeah. It's right. about Elvis, isn't it? Very. Yeah. 
I love um, Phil Collins against all odds. Ah, oh, no, Gary, that's a lovely power ballad. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. cracker. And there's yeah. some fantastic live versions of that as well. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've, I, I, I also uh, a bit more modern, even though it's not a new song. Aerosmith, I don't want to miss a thing. Is a is a really powerful tune. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Not, that's a power ballad, definitely. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. no one's gonna, no one's disputing that. Danny doesn't like it though, does he? Hmm. You don't like it, do you? I, ah, I think it's one of them that when it came out at the time, it just it got played so much that it it got irritating for me, and I've never gone back to it. But it, like, it's a great song, but I just, I yeah, I've never I've never really gone back to it, and also. I remember being on a football trip and I won't name the person because they'll cringe and probably do themselves a harm with the amount of cringing they'll do. But uh, they sang it on a football trip. And whereas everyone else, when they had to sing their song, took the mickey and whatever, he 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 was channeling Steven Tyler. Like, he thought he was the fucking business now. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was, to this day, I still shudder when I think about it. It was absolutely horrid. Do you remember we done the, the live show up in Fitzpatrick's? Mm. Somebody said to me when I was at the bar, you've an arse like Stephen Tyler. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was in all the gear, like. <laughs> I was fucking delighted. I mean, I take it as a compliment, Gary. Absolutely. like. Um. But yeah, I I I've I've great time for power ballad. A lot of affection. I think when we when you initially tweeted about it, Paul, uh, Phil O'Connor, friend of the show, yeah. mentioned one uh, that it wouldn't it wouldn't be in my top five, but I I I know it was extremely popular in the nineties. Uh, Brian Adams, everything I do. You know, I don't really think that's a power ballad. Like I, mm. I think that's, that's a movie soundtrack. That might be just a ballad. That's uh, a movie yeah. soundtrack. That's what that is. I don't think there's enough anguish in it to be a ballad. I think for it to be a ballad, you have to be able to, uh, I mean, pe- pe- people listening can't see the actions I'm doing, but yeah, two raised fists like in front of your face, like saying, you know, and then push them away, go away from me, and then come back to me. Like, you know, <laughs> I have to be able to do those actions. I don't know how to describe those actions I've just done, but it's go away from me, come back to me with two closed fists, you know? Yeah. And if you can't do that to it, to me, it doesn't. That's the taste test for me of a of a power ballad. Like, and and if 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 you can't if you can't screw your face up, uh, and look in the mirror, and and it not look ironic, right? Yeah, that's not a power ballad. Like, it, it's all about the it's all about the sincerity of the of the of the singer as well, you know. And they're the taste tests for me. That's that's an that's an interesting way of looking at it because then and this kind of segues into kind of cover versions, which myself, Gary and Graham had a conversation about recently as well. And we might as well talk about cover versions now too. But then based on what you're saying there, Paul, I'd almost say Paddy Smith's version of Because the Night could fall into a power ballad, but Springsteen's version would not. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but see, Patty Smith, the other thing about Patty Smith is too cool for anything she ever did to be a to yeah, be that's a, a fair point. You know what I mean? Like she's too she's too punky, she's too clued in, she's too too self-conscious as well. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think there there has to be a kind of naffness about it. like Patty Smith never did anything that was naff, you know? Yeah, she, fair she point. Did loads of stuff that was naff. But 
she ne- she never really did any naff stuff. I think there has to be an element of kind of naffness about the power ballad as well, you know. I I mean I I don't I think if I was doing karaoke, uh, I'd pro and I had to do a ballad. I'd probably do. Um, didn't we almost have it all? I wouldn't be able to hear any of the notes or anything, you know. But that's the one, <laughs> I think that's the one I do. And as I'm saying this, I'm remembering. Uh, when we were kids, right? I don't know if this still happens in Ballybrack. I hope it does. The youth, the, the football club, uh, which was also the youth club and the scout down and everything else in Ashlone Park, they used to have a talent contest every year, right? And, you know, people would go on and, like, it could be just, like, you know, two six-year-old girls telling knock-knock jokes on the stage and then somebody's up there singing a song, like singing a song that's way too big for them, you know? And um, I remember a friend of mine got up and he tried to sing um, True by Spandau Ballet, right? Oh. He's a, he was a really good friend of mine. And I said to him, you're fucking mad. Like, what are you doing? Like, he said, no, I love this song. I said, just because you love the song, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to pull it off. And it's a pretty tough audience at them, those talent events, right? Because <laughs> all the lads, Johnny Moy and everybody be in there, you know, just Johnny Moy would be down the back with his crew and just fucking... You you could just see somebody dying on that stage just from the weight of Johnny and his gang stare, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, this friend of mine got up and uh, so true, funny how it seems. <laughs> and the funny thing was, he had a terrible voice. It was like he found out that night he had a bad voice. Like he didn't know he had a shit voice, <laughs> right? Until that moment. And like no one in his house said to him, you have a shit voice. But I could see, uh, I could see him stop believing in his performance he visibly his, his body emptied of of confidence like a fucking bucket tipped <laughs> water tipped over you just see the confidence flowing out of him right and he regretted i could tell he regretted starting that song on i'd say the, the before the end of the first verse oh, but he geez. had to go through the whole song then you know yes and the booze boo you're shit get off you're shit <laughs> they, they, I tell you what, they made they they made and broke a lot of people in Baddy Brackdo's talent contest. Actually, I, I I correct that, they broke a lot of people. <laughs> see, they made no one. And that's it. You see, those talent shows are not like I mean, like you said there, your karaoke song would be like I'd I'd and power ballads. I mean, haven't mentioned Celine Dion yet, but like it's all coming back to me now. Oh uh, yeah, fucking, yeah. Uh, there's no way. I'd sing that at a talent show, but you, you give me a few whiskeys at a karaoke bar, and I might, and as you said, wouldn't hit the notes. I'd hit a load of notes, none of me the right ones. It's like <laughs> it's like on, on X Factor, if somebody comes on and says they're gonna do Whitney Houston or they're gonna do, um, you know, a, a, a Beyonce. Simon just rolls his eyes as if to say this is gonna be a fucking shit show because nobody can do that. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it never happens that somebody can do it, and there's a reason that those people are unique. Um, artists. What would your karaoke song be, Gar? Well, I've a very wide repertoire of what I can do on naturally, uh, naturally, of course, yeah. Karaoke. Obviously, I won a, a competition in the gin mill one Monday night. I done Sam Smith. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Um, Which would the one from the Bond movie or? No, I haven't actually performed that live yet. It was. Oh. Um, oh Jesus! What was it? I can't think of what it was called. Meryl, you have it on your phone. Yeah, um, sure. Is it your ringtone, Meryl? <laughs> 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 it's 
Well, it's absolutely sensational. But I, I'm very good. Yeah. Yeah. was coming to us from the Arctic Circle there. There's Wi-Fi. <laughs> I, I, I'm very good at the fine young know. cannibals. Oh. I know the fine young cannibals. Ah, oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which yeah. one? Jenna, I'm sorry. Won't you take me home? That's very good. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, Gary, are you aware of... Um, uh, the Stars in Your Eyes competition that takes place every year, well, wh- you know, when it's not the zombie apocalypse of COVID, um, yeah. there's, a, there's a Stars in Your Eyes every year in Fitzgerald's pub in Avoca. I wasn't aware. Oh, it's a fantastic competition. Um, I was in Fitzgerald's one day and I was looking at the poster and uh, a guy came up behind me and he said, are you interested, are you interested in entering? And I said, <laughs> yeah. He says, uh, who would you do? And I said, I'd probably, I'm a big, big Roy Orbison fan, you know. I said, I'd probably do do something by the big O. And he said, uh, you have no chance of winning. I win it every year. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, really? I said, who, who do you do? And he, as he said to me, he said, I do Elvis. Everybody does Elvis. <laughs> like fucking Father Ted. Everybody does Elvis. <laughs> I've never actually been in that pub. Ah, it's a fine pub. Yeah. Must uh, I'll meet you up there when we're fully vaccinated and all that? Yeah, when we're vaccinated, we'll we'll, we'll go booze in there, you yeah. know. And even if it's not stars in their eyes night, we might do a number or two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Gary, Gar- Gar- I just like to say there when when you were singing there, I actually shazammed and uh, it it came up as as fine young cannibal. So I mean, you're 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 perfect. Shazam yeah, you see, I'm very away. lucky. I can hit extremely high notes really really quickly. Yeah, um, without having to really warm up. When I won that competition in the gin mill, um, one woman cried. She enjoyed it that much. Jesus. And I've often bumped into her in the town, and she just comes up and shakes me hand and says, thanks very much. You That's get that it. a lot in the town, though, Gar, in general, for your services to the community, don't you? Yeah, it's, something, it's not something that I, I seek, but it does happen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gary, yeah. you, are you aware? I'm always keeping in to text you and ask you about that place in the town, right? In Arklow, the Victorian tea rooms. Yeah, I think that's just an advertising space, Pop. Oh, is it? Yeah, I, do, I think that's just a shop front. I don't think there's nothing going on in there. And if there is, uh, I would imagine they're drinking the blood of children. <laughs> <laughs> this just went very Q and on, Gary. <laughs> Annie, this place is the the creepiest thing you've ever seen, right? There's oh, in, weird. that the oldie Victorian writing. It just says Victorian tea rooms. And it's a, it's all paper doilies, and you know, it kind of evokes images of like, you know, women with too much lipstick and kind of mm-hmm. white ankle socks and stuff like that. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? That whole world, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it, like, it would have been out of place in Arklow in the Victorian era. Never mind. <laughs> every time I pass it, I go, what the fuck? What? Who? Who has opened that in Arklow? You know. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I just think it's it's like a window window display pod. I don't think God. there's anything going on there. Thank God. Mm. <laughs> well, for the record, we should probably state we don't know for a fact that they are drinking the blood of the young. <laughs> 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 no matter how much it might seem like it from the outside. Well, I hope if they are, they're they're the vaccinated young. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back to our guest, but first we got to take a quick word from our good friends at Manscaped. Got good news. 
they've just launched their peak hygiene plan now this is a little membership portal lads and allows you to mix and match all your favorite manscape products and i'm telling you you want to get in on this because it's going to give you the most hygienic testes in town your town halls are going to be superb with this package all right so what it allows you to do is to tweak and select all the products that you want they get shipped to your door directly hassle free you can build a combo any way you want so you can get a little bit of ball deodorant a little bit of foot spray some ball wipes it allows you do all of that and your membership price will stay the same you even get a free gift sent to you every month this month the free gift is foot dust or foot deodorant massively important nothing worse than coming home a long day cracking off the air jordan the smell rises up hits you in the face your eyes start to water the paint starts to peel your neighbor has to open a window the dog has ran away from you your missus is shouting at you what is wrong with you did something die in your shoe none of that will happen when you use this stuff right and you get it for free when you subscribe this month peak hygiene plan from manscaped head on over manscaped.com use the code wtspod you'll get 20 percent off and free shipping now back to our guest <laughs> is that the voice of Merlo trying to come in there was it Gary, yes. You, did you actually win that karaoke in the gym? I did. It was a it was a Monday night, um. So it was only me and another fella singing. So it was it was me. I done Sam Smith, uh, and your man done an ocean color singing song. Oh, and you was a bard of the Sam Smith song. Uh, I can't. I do. Do you remember which song it was? No. Um, you don't have the ability to understand. You know you're not the only one. Sounds like a fucking nursing home bingo. Fucking night. (laughs) (laughs) And so one of the punters is after wetting themselves. Fucking hell, (laughs) Meryl. I'm not sure if that was made better or worse by Meryl's Wi-Fi issues, but <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Do you know what it did? It gave it a bit of a... Uh, remember Shara did the... Uh, do you believe in life after love? Oh, yeah. It was that kind of tweaky yeah. kind yeah. of electronic sound. That's what it, it was went about. It Daft Punk, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. I don't know the words, though. I was just humming. It's a, it's a fine excuse, Graham, and if you want to stick to that, that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, Gary, we, we talked recently about cover versions as well. Yeah. And, uh, like, there are some absolute amazing cover versions out there. What, mm. what, would, what would be some of your favourites now? I love... Um, well, have you ever seen The Rain has been covered by so many different uh, people? And it's an amazing song. I love the song. I love uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival's version of it. Yeah. Fantastic. Willie Nelson actually does a gorgeous version of it as well. Um, but I, I remember, geez, about 10 years ago, and I, I, I've searched the internet high and low for it. Damien Dempsey was on Spin 1038 one night, which I know sounds mental. Um, but he was. And do you remember Cheryl Cole had a song, Fight for This Love? I remember yeah. it well, yeah. Now, I don't she, know yeah. if she was Cole or Tweedy or what the fuck she was at the time. Um, but Damo done a version of that. It was about three minutes long, and it was mind-blowing. Um, but I could never find it again. 
Um, that that particular song uh, has 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 a special place in my heart. After last year, um, at, at the height of COVID, when Italy was at its worst and lockdown had kicked in for them, somebody done a video of a load of people in a big apartment block in Italy out on their balconies all clapping and singing and somebody dubbed it with a live version of Cheryl Cole's <laughs> Cheryl Cole retweeted it saying absolutely amazing I'm in floods of tears <laughs> oh, now, uh, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival have you ever seen the rain is absolutely amazing I love um, Oasis's version of I Am The Walrus yeah, actually, I'm, I've, I've I've heard it a few times over the years now, and it's not bad. Like it's, mm. but like cover versions are brilliant because you're not expecting. Um, like I remember Kasabian done a, a cover version of um, "Sweet Escape" from Gwen Stefani, mm. yeah. and it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. When- in in a similar vein, Manic Street Preachers do uh, "Umbrella" by Rihanna. And it's oh. brilliant. Oh, it is brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. I hope people listening today now have the Spotify out and they're building themselves a little playlist because there's a few gems being thrown out here. There's I, some cover versions are actually bigger than the originals. Yeah. I, like, like for instance, uh, Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley is, uh, I, I mean, the original is, the original is, is terrible. Like it's, <laughs> it's the Leonard Cohen one. The Leonard Cohen version just—it sounds like a fucking, you know, like the 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 that kind of incessant beep that comes from an intensive care fucking machine, like you know. It's <laughs> anyway, Jeffrey just invested it with so much personality. And the mad thing about Hallelujah is when when whatever the album is that that that's on, whatever Jeff Leonard Wait. Cohen album it's on, oh, it's when it wrong. when it came out, it was actually universally slagged off as the dud on the album like the worst song on the album you know and another one that's like that is um um uh let you feel my love is it is that what it's called me yes yeah but bob dylan Dylan. yeah and uh make you feel my love you can actually hear when in bob dylan's version i can't remember what album it's on it's on one of his 70s or 80s albums anyway you can actually hear he doesn't really believe in the song uh and when it came out, Rolling Stone said it was terrible. Like they just said, it's like full of greeting card sentiments and it's got a terrible tune, a mawkish tune. And you would never have said at the time, that's going to be the song that's covered by, you know, who's, who covered it, Rebecca Ferguson, um, Adele. Adele. Like, every, like about 20 people have covered that and done better versions than Bob Dylan, you know? That's it. We, we've lost Meryl temporarily. His wife is acting a maggot. Um, I'm... I'm at the moment, and I, I, I don't know. I know I, I talk Springsteen up a lot, but there's two cover versions by Springsteen that I would put out there as being among the best cover versions ever. It's version of Rhinestone Cowboy, the Glenn Campbell song. Yeah. Is mm. fucking incredible. It's amazing. It's just, it's perfect. It's pitch perfect for me. Yeah. And he does a version of Purple Rain. All right. Okay. Which is, it's on, um, he released an album there a few years ago. It's literally just cover versions. And uh, Purple Rain is on it. And it's fucking brilliant. And, and Purple Rain now, that of all the songs to try and, do you know what I mean? Like Prince now. Yeah. But my God, he, he fucking, it's, it's a brilliant version of it. I was at, um, 
I was at an Ian Brown gig in 19, circa 1999. He brought out um, his first solo album, Unfinished Monkey Business. But he done, uh, we were, it was in the Olympia, and he done uh, Thriller from Michael Jackson. And when I tell you that every hair on my head, shoulders, neck stood up, it was absolutely amazing. Now, he put it on his next album, but he mm. slowed it down and kind of put too much bass in it. It was shit. But the live version, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, there, there's some that do, like, the other one that always stands out, and I think uh, Trent Reznor has more or less said, it's not my song anymore, but Johnny Cash Hurt. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's, when it, when it comes to cover versions, that kind of sets the bar, you yeah. know. Valerie is better than the Zootons Valerie as well. Amy Winehouse, yeah. 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 Uh, Mary, you, uh, Danny, you just mentioned Bruce Springsteen. He has a cover version of a song called Dream Baby Dream. I don't know if you heard that. Yes, yeah. And, and that's by a band called Suicide. And they were they were a punk band. Uh, and I heard him play that at the, at the, the, I can't remember, it was probably still called the Point Depot about 15 or 16 years ago. Um, and it was it was his encore. Um, uh, it was his encore song, and he just had this like small like Yamaha, or it, it wasn't a Yamaha organ. It was like it was like a little mini church organ or something. There's a there's yeah, a word yeah. for it, and I just don't have the language. But the not the, it, the the build up to it took about I'd say it was like five minutes. It was like somebody playing the bagpipes. He was tuning this fucking thing up, like you know, it was like he was making this thing sing. And then he just launches into Dream Baby Dream. Mm-hmm. Come on and Dream Baby Dream. And it was it was like it was like listening to a hymn. And then it just builds up. I just uh, I just want to see you smile. Come on and dream baby dream. And it went on for about 15 minutes. And I think when he came out for the encore, a lot of the, a lot of the people there were like, I hope he plays something not born in the USA. You know, Springsteen fans and I hope he plays doesn't play dancing in the dark. And he <laughs> yes, right. And it went on for about 15 minutes and everybody was just fucking spellbound. Like, you know, it was just, and I listened to, I listened to that still about once a week. It's fucking amazing. Like, you know, and again, he made it his own, you know, and people weren't when they were leaving, they weren't saying, (laughs) you know, they'd forgotten about dancing to war. Fucking 40 euros for a ticket. She didn't pay anything for the USA. Fucking disgrace. <laughs> he, uh, he released that on an album there a couple of years ago, actually. I can't remember what the name of the album was, but uh, it is. It's very, very good. <laughs> the lads are gone. But you know the way sometimes, sometimes fucking bands, right, will get a song. And they will do such a shit cover of it. It will ruin it for you forevermore, right? And CeeLo Green, right? <laughs> I mean, CeeLo Green is fine, okay? But CeeLo Green did a version of uh, John Lennon's Imagine. Oh, Jesus. And nobody can cover Imagine, right? Because it's nobody can convey sincerity singing them fucking lyrics, right? That it's too, Lennon's probably the only one who got away with it. In anyone else's mouth, that song just sounds so schmaltzy and, you know, over-sentimental. <laughs> and CeeLo Green 
The version was terrible, right? But he did something that, in my view, was totally unforgivable. He changed the words, right? Oh, God. So the line, and no religion too, for me, is the fucking greatest line in the song, right? Mm. But they didn't want to offend uh, religious lunatics, right? So they took the liberty of changing it to, and all religions too, (laughs) Ah, fuck off. Stilo <laughs> <laughs> can get in the bin. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And all religions true was the line he sang. Oh, that's even uh, worse. Uh, well, it's so wangy. You know, just fuck off, Stilo. You're off the list. <laughs> don't don't, and, like, and I thought the, the worst thing to happen to imagine was when all the celebrities last year tried to do a, a version of it. As part of the whole, you know, we're all in this together COVID thing. Yeah. And Gal Gadot uh, was the one of the ringleaders on that. And to be honest, Richard, she should be put up for crimes against humanity, I think. But it's a different story for today. Who, who's this, Danny? Uh, a load of Hollywood actors and actresses. Uh, yeah, they, I don't know, remember, but who's the woman you mentioned there? Gal Gadot, you know, from Wonder Woman. The original? Sounds, sounds like a fucking dessert. do you want a tea or coffee now we'll have the gal Godot again please Imagine proved it. It's impossible to sing that song with any degree of sincerity, right? Anymore, because John Lennon did it, and now it just sounds—it just sounds ridiculous. Like it's like, do you ever hear Billy Billy Connolly does that? Do, Billy Connolly has a great riff about um, USA for Africa, you know, mm. singing, you know, we are the world, we are, and they get to the bit where they go, there are people dying, and they've all got big smiles on their faces <laughs> because they're fucking. Because it's the world of American rock and roll, like, and they are yeah. so they are so fucking distant from people dying. They can't even bring themselves to look miserable when they're singing about people dying. You know. But sure, in the in the British one, it was like, "Thank God, it's what is it?" Thank oh, God. thank God, it's them instead of you. Yeah. yeah. See, I think the I think the British one was forgivable, right? Because because Geldof and Major wrote it like on the back of a cigarette packet in the taxi outside while they're waiting for the studio to open. And there was something really sincere. Uh, it was before you had ads on the telly for donkeys suffering right now. You know, it was before <laughs> we were awakened to the fact that we should always be setting up direct debits to help people and help donkeys and stuff, you know? So it was a very kind of innocent days when people kind of thought, well, there's nothing we can do about Africa. There's nothing we can do about the third world. It's broken. It doesn't work. We can't fix it. And we're helpless. A bit and like Leitrim. A bit. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> the broadband. Leitrim and its broadband issues. And then, but Geldof kind of convinced people, no, actually, there is something you can, there is something you can do. So I kind of think any of, the, any of the fucking lines in that song that sound appalling today are forgivable because everybody's heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. But when they did... When they did USA for Africa, they knew, you know, you're Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, and like they were, they were 
fucking marquee stars. Like this was the creme de la menthe of the pop world there, right? And they and 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 they go into the studio and there's a buffet lined out that's the, laid out. That's the size of a fucking penalty box, right? All this food, lobsters and all sorts of stuff. <clears throat> and they never ate any of it. Like it was just put out for them because uh, they all had their own individual riders about what they wanted there. And then they just put it in a fucking skip afterwards, threw it out like, you know. And so that I wasn't into that one. But the original, I still get I still get goosebumps when I hear of that when I hear that one. You know, maybe we should save this conversation for Christmas, should we? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, much like Fairy Tale in New York for you would get played during the summer. Like, I mean, if Band Aid randomly popped up now on on shuffle on my iPod or whatever, I wouldn't turn it off. No, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't turn any Christmas song off. But the only one I would actively put on, and we're actually thinking of having a barbecue tomorrow because uh, the weather's supposed to be nice. I, w- I would probably put on Fairy Tale in New York tomorrow. Mm. You know, and if we had people here, which we won't, I wouldn't expect anyone to object because they'd be put yeah. out. <laughs> and Graham, that must that must surely tie into one of your cover versions then in terms of Christy Graham, does it? Sorry, say that again, Danny. That must tie into one of your cover versions then for Christy's version of that. Yeah, I love Christy's versions, particularly when you're at his Christmas gigs in Baker Street and he sings alive. Mm. Um but there's a there was a particular version of it doing the rounds on one of those uh clickbait sites, maybe Love in Dublin or, or Joe or something like that. And uh, it, it was him singing it from the Point Depot, and it was lovely. It was on the '94 album Live the Point. But Chris, most of Christie's repertoire are, are covers, like people yeah. songs and all. You know, like mm. have you ever heard Paul Weller sing "Black Is the Color"? No, actually, I haven't. Uh, it's very good. I know it's. I wouldn't say it's better than than Christie's, but it's also not Christie's song. He got it from mm. uh, a singer songwriter in Scotland. Um, but yeah. When when I hear say modern day artists sing songs, it's always months later that I find out that it's a cover song, and then I have to go back and listen to the original. But it's like you were saying there, Nine Inch Nails hurt when Johnny mm. Cash released that. I didn't know it was Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, I remember having an argument with my brother. Uh, I think it was not the same because Johnny Cash released a load of albums at that time with your man Rick Rubin, mm, and right. I, I, rem- I remember having an argument with my brother at the time because he tried to convince me that uh, it was either Solitary Man or one that, that Johnny Cash had actually wrote one of those two. I was like, no, we didn't. If it was Solitary Man, it was Neil Diamond. If it was one, it was you two. And he's like, no, 100%. Johnny Cash won the original, and that's an acoustic version of it or whatever. I was like, Johnny, you're fucking talking. And it turned into a blazing row between us. Nonetheless, I was right, as I usually am, when it involves an argument with my brother. But anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, the other one, that, uh, and, and just in terms of Irish artists and cover version, Sinead O'Connor, lads, and nothing compares ah. to you. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that's gold standard. Yeah, see, I, I wouldn't really class that as a cover version because I think it. I th- she did something completely different with it, didn't she? In fairness, she released yes. the first, didn't she? Sometimes the cover version is so much better than the original that it's not really a cover version. The original becomes the cover version, <laughs> if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Like that. Like Prince, yeah. ne- Prince never had a hit of it, did he? I don't think he did. No, I think he just wrote it and. And and she she made a hit of it, so it doesn't it doesn't really feel like a cover version. It kind of feels like an original song. Yeah. I tell you what, I loved last year, um, and I didn't expect to love it. But Miley Cyrus singing "Zombie" was absolutely sensational. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. I have to say, I didn't think that could be covered well. She she does a lot of core. I think in like her concert, she does a section of kind of core versions. She does uh, Led Zeppelin, Black Dog as well, and it's brilliant. Oh wow! Right, yeah, great singer. Yeah, she's uh, much much like Eric Gardy. She's got great range. Just to touch back on Christy Moore for a second, um, not literally, obviously. I I love his um. I love when he tweets something from his account. Obviously, it's not him, but he always starts to tweet with, hello, subscribers. <laughs> hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. Or hello, listeners. Um, <laughs> uh, just in, in terms of cover versions as well, Damien Dempsey does a lovely version of Rainy Night in Soho. Yeah, I think it's probably mm. better than the Pogues. Mm. Controversial, well, probably. Uh, but just like, I remember Paul Howard, who's on this call now, he... Um, <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out, Gary. It's very relevant. I remember about five years ago, Paul said that music was being written now in the hope that it gets 30 to 40 seconds airplay on Grey's Anatomy, which is is 100% correct. And I think music is now being produced because it might get 30, 40 seconds on fucking TikTok. Yeah. Right, and, 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 and all the music we've spoke about tonight is comfortably 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. I, I had that exact, con- well, pretty much that exact conversation earlier today. I was in the car with, with Oksana and we were, we were driving along and uh, Cutting Crew just died in your arms and I came on. I said, that's a fucking great, and that's like power ballads or whatever earlier, but I, I, I was saying, like, her, her brother is 21 and I, I don't think he'll have ever listened to a full album all the way from track one through to yeah. track mm. 12 or whatever. They're just not. It's not something that happens anymore. Albums they're aren't. They're not yeah. making albums to be listened all the way through now. You know, they're yeah. making, like if you look at like most kind of modern songwriters are, and bands are, are putting out albums with like 22 songs on them. Mm. And that's in the hope that they'll get, you know, 16 of them kids will buy or maybe if you're a big fan they'll buy all 22 you know um, and yeah. so they're kind of playing the numbers game the worst thing that's happened in music for me in the in the last decade is the emergence of these fucking whiny male singers like you know mm. you know who i mean don't you and like gary mentioned the gray's anatomy thing it's it, it is that kind of voice that would get on gray's anatomy you know this kind of yeah <laughs> uh, i don't want to name i don't want to just say gavin james because he's <laughs> <laughs> right there's a fucking load of them and what's the what's your man's name the, the ginger guy Ed Sheeran Ed Sheeran Ed Sheeran oh, like there's been so many I mean I've nothing against him but there's just been so many fucking rip off Ed Sheeran's where mm. they're just doing that warbly thing you know mm. can't take my eyes off of you that fucking hate that voice and it's a sort of generic voice that's poisoning the airwaves. It's absolute poison to my ears, you know? Mm. And there's only about, there seems to be only about four different types of songs in the in music today. Like there's that warbly guy, there's the sort of, uh, the upbeat girl guy, uh, there's the sort of boy bandy thing. Uh, and then what else is there? There's not, Oh, oh, there's the there's this sort of rap, half kind of rappy type thing, you know, in the house, in the that kind of thing, you know. We're all in the house, we're all in the house, saying the name of the band over again, over and over again. Bullshit. That's my take on modern music. 
So I was listening to, you might have seen me mention this on Twitter. I, I, I bought, um, now that's what I call Music One, right? Which came out in 1983. And it was the first ever kind of chart compilation to come out really maybe the second or something but this was really early days and i was just looking at the variety of songs and the charts those days like you know and it's not that they were all fucking humdingers it's just that there was like 20 different songs in the top in the top 40 different kinds of songs like you had reggae you had yeah. ska you had power ballads you had the american thing whitney houston whatever you know you had uh you know a bit of Duran Duran, you'd spanned a ballet, like musical youth. I mean, unbelievable variety. What were you saying, Merlo? I said, that's like the Top of the Pops era. Like, I used to love waiting for Top of the Pops to come on. And you'd have all sorts in the top 20. You'd have, like you were saying there, you'd have, like, power ballads, you'd have pop, you'd have rock, you'd have everything. Mm. Yeah. Some great presenters as well. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was your favourite Shamas <laughs> O Seville. Um just a quick a, a quick mention to James Vincent McMorrow's uh, version of Higher Love. Oh, I, don't yeah. I don't know. Very good. Fantastic song. Yeah, it's sensational. Yeah. If I'm doing if I'm sanding down any woodwork or anything like that, I'd like to listen to that song. Yeah, it's a good woodwork song. Yeah. It's a preparation song if you're sanding or dusting or filling or anything like that. Yeah. I wouldn't listen to it if I was painting now. But if I was doing a bit of prep, like... Yeah. Pardon? What would you listen to when you were painting? Would you believe uh, I, I like to listen to movie soundtracks when I'm painting? Oh. Yeah. Motivation, is it? Any particular type of movie or... Absolutely obsessed with you know that song Streets of Siam. It was in uh, that Jean Claude Van Damme movie, Kickboxer, is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I know Van Damme had a. It was in a movie called Kickboxer. All right, you know that song. Everybody loves a winner. Well, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, moving down streets of Siam. No, but I, I want to hear more of it now. Keep going, Gary. I'm trying to fucking Spotify it here to get the lyrics. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, <clears throat> James Vincent McMorrow Higher Love is absolutely fantastic and he nails it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm getting a dog trying to shift me on the slow here, lads. Apologies. Um, you were mentioning there about that you tweeted about now, you bought now. I remember that tweet as well. Uh, but, you also tweet about supermarket trips. What is the story with all these mad peculiar? <laughs> Danny getting licked. <laughs> Danny's getting licked by a dog. Yeah, it's uh, Lupo now just popping in, are we? Do you, do you have strange encounters in the supermarket every week, Paul? Um, yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> supermarkets are like airports for me, right? There, there's a, I'm in a state of heightened tension. Um, and, w and, w and when I'm tense, I tend to uh, get into exchanges with, with, with members of the public, you know. But there's a few things about supermarkets that really annoy me. Uh, I think the thing, I think the, the thing, probably my two pet hates in life always happen to me at the supermarket, right? Number one, I go into the car park and the car park in Duns and Cornell's Court, there could be four cars in the whole fucking car park, right? 
and I pull in, I park in the space, and then five seconds later, someone comes in, and even though the car park is empty, they take the space right beside me, right? Right beside me. And they open the door and they bang my door with their door. And I just fit the, the size of the car park. You park beside me and you bang my door. Right. So that's the first thing. Right. Now, there wouldn't be I wouldn't be violent or anything like that. It, I just I see the inside of this stuff. The other one is when I get to the when I get to the the, um, the checkout uh, and I'm put me I'm putting me bits or I'm, I'm sort of I'm getting ready to put me I'm primed, you know, Uh and then the person in front of me whose bits are going through suddenly goes, oh, hang on, would you mind just waiting? I'm just, and they go off to get a yeah, bottle well, of Estos or a chocolate about cunts is what they or are. Something. Cunt, or something. Yeah. And, and then they come back with three items 15 minutes later and you're yeah. standing there like a spare one at a wedding. Like, you know, I hate that. Finish your shopping and then go to the checkout. But don't, that, don't you know, no, nah, I'm, I'm not having it. That, that one now, that boils my piss as well. That, oh, sorry, do you want, I just have to, I forgot something back in a second. I'll pop back, yeah. Yeah, and they, they go and they get they get a cup of coffee and the timepiece and duns and everything at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's not common. It's not common. Oh, it would be, yeah. I'd say that happens. Oh, I'd that say. happens to me once a month. I mean, it happens to me, I'd say it happens once every three times I go to the supermarket. Somebody ahead of me isn't actually finishing their shopping. They're just establishing a beachhead by going to the counter, right? Mm. By going to the checkout. And half of their stuff is already run through and in the trolley. And then they go off and they say, do you know what? I must get a cooked chicken for the week or a cucumber. And off they go. Yeah. And, and that that um, that annoys me a lot. But I think the one you're referring to, Mero, is I was, in a, I was reminiscing the other day about the early days of COVID last year when we used to have to, to be, everybody was so fucking panicked about buying stuff that there used to be an hour-long queue just to get into Dunn stores. You'd yeah. be outside, like, in this snaking queue. And we got into the shop. I was reminiscing about this. This is one of my memories from the early days of COVID. We got into the shop, and the announcements, the, the safety announcement was going on, and it was Brendan Courtney, you know, and he was saying, please remember to wash your hands, stay two metres distance away from the person, for all this kind of thing. And a girl behind me said, oh, my God, I love Brendan Courtney but I hope he doesn't become the voice of this thing. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> he still is the voice of Duns. The thing with fucking... COVID. Like, I think she kind of saw Brendan Courtney's being, being COVID in, in voice form, you know? The, the thing with COVID is, like, when you're going to do the weekly shop, that's the, the new going out. Like, that's the new... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's something to do. Um, I, I had an awful altercation um, last week, the 11th of March, Thursday, um, 10 a.m. ish. <laughs> um, this sounds like a, the start of a police statement. <laughs> I went into Aldi in Arklow, got me a few bits, no hassle, it was fairly quiet. Got to the checkout, I'm putting my shit on the runway, and on the runway. <laughs> I'm um, I'm in the Father Brendan Smith position. I'm actually in my trolley getting the stuff out. Like I'm leaned into it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the fucking so like with like if like people seem to forget if you are in in a public area and you don't know the other people. 
to come up to somebody you don't know and ask them something or ask them to move, you don't know who you're speaking to or who you're dealing with, you know, so it's quite a strange thing. So I'm I'm putting up all my stuff and this fucking yoke comes up behind me and says, sorry, I just have two or three bits. Do you mind if I jump ahead? And I said, no, if you're quick, no problem. That was the conversation. And she, she got up to the cashier and she she said something about me, you know, and kind of looked at me. And he looked at me and fucking sniggered as well. And I hate fucking sniggering. I hate being sniggered at, like, I won't deal with sniggering. Your, it wasn't about your performance in the karaoke in the gin palace, was it? She might have said, he's the guy who won the karaoke. <laughs> I, I fucking hope not. But uh, I said, I, I said, I said, I let you go ahead. Like, what's the problem? And uh, she said something again to your man, like, bit of fucking sniggering. And... Uh, she said something again. I said, I let you go ahead of me. Like, I don't know why you keep fucking... She, she was biting back, you know? Yeah. And uh, she kind of sniggered at me. I fucking won't be sniggered at by anyone. And uh, I said, look, I should, look, I shouldn't have used the C word I called. I said, look, you're, you're being a fucking cunt. I let you go ahead. Like, get on with it and stop talking about me. And uh, the top of her voice, right? Now, like fucking Pavarotti, she turns around. Wants every other fucking punter to hear. This is how men speak to women in 2021. I said, it's not. I said, it's how people speak to cunts like you who have no fucking manners. And uh, and I and she, she, you know, another few looks now and she fucked off anyway. Like she was wearing fucking black sports leggings. She, she wasn't doing nothing to do with fucking exercise, I can tell you. And anyway, she fucked off. And I said to your man then, the cashier, I said, you take your fucking time putting that shit through because I need time to settle. Because <laughs> you, have, jangling, buddy. you have about half a square metre with all your stuff on it and you're trying to get it packed away. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it, it, it's like checking into a hotel in Ethiopia. Like, it's not fucking, there's no logic to it. What, what, what's it like checking into a hotel in Ethiopia? Just, just, just no structure, Mero. It's no structure. <laughs> oh yeah. When were you in Ethiopia? Well, I wasn't, but I know a few people who work work over there. Look, it's not about Ethiopia. I'm talking about cunts who fucking don't have common manners. <laughs> do you, does anyone else do this? When I go to the when I go to the, the cash desk, right? Uh, well, the check the checkout desk. Hmm. I put all my bits on it, right? And then when when he's putting them through, I have the bags ready, and I try to pack them away in such a way that when he puts the last item through, it's the only item that has to go in the bag, right? So I have to keep, I have to, I have to go as fast as he's boop 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 putting them through, and I've discovered certain strategies, right? So if I have say uh, two or three bottles of wine, or nine or ten since lockdown, right? Uh, <laughs> with the security the little security seal on it that slows them up right so it takes like it takes maybe you know 10 seconds for them to <clears throat> you know they're belting the fucking thing off to try to get the metal thing off so i space them out on the conveyor belt right so i put all the fruit and veg there then i give them a bottle to deal with and then i put maybe you know the meats or stuff like that so that's very good that's very good so it's it's kind of like it's like rugby actually it's breaking up the play 
So there's all sorts of phases. He has to keep going through the phases as he puts it through. But I always manage this. Like, but I said it to my dad. I said, I, I do this thing. My dad said, I do that as well. I, and, and I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, I don't put the booze on, though. He said, what I do is, if he's going too fast, <laughs> I get the label off the, <clears throat> you know, the bags of onions, and they have the, <laughs> the little label separate, and I scrunch it. So he has trouble <laughs> getting, the, <laughs> getting the barcoder to read it. <laughs> like, you know, but it's that's obviously where I get it from. It's the competitive instinct. That is fucking brilliant. It's a great I'd- I, I like to have a competition with them. I always ask them, how much do you reckon it'll be just as they start scanning? Oh, that's good. And, and we have a little guessing game. And really? I, I, yeah, and I always make the same joke. I'll be like, whoever's closest is paying, or whoever's furthest away is paying. And they always look at you as if you have 10 heads, as if you're actually going to yeah. ask them to pay for your shopping. Like, I but, love bags uh, like that. That I, I do this one, right, around here. I go out when I go out for my walk. If anyone's washing their car or mowing their lawn, right, I always go... You can do mine next. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was an original until Mary pointed out to me that the people were probably laughing at me at me behind my back, like, you know, because I always say this because it's a kind of, Mary said it's a dad thing to say. Such a dad cliche, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to carry on doing it because I, I enjoy it and I think people get a kick out of it when I do it. I'm the when same, I'm, yeah. When I'm walking the dog, uh, every day without fail, Every day I get some outlet going. Is he? Are you who's walking who? You are him. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. the, 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 see, the, they're classics for a reason, lads. They're classics for a reason, you know. Yeah. Um, painting was mentioned earlier on, and it would be remiss uh, of us if we didn't. <clears throat> Gary, what one of the many hats you wear is that of uh, an interior design expert. Thanks. Yeah. And um, you you recently and and boy and don't I I know now there was heated words after last week's episode. We won't finish this podcast without Graham's accusations towards you last week being addressed. Don't worry, that's noted and it will be taken care of. Uh, well, well, I just want to start by saying that Gary is a, a design genius, and he took on the project of uh, creative director for the redesign of my bedroom, and he can take over from here. Yeah, like Merlo's bedroom before the project started, he had a white ceiling, traditional white ceiling, um, and he had like a Burmese ruby red colour on his walls. Um, but with him working from home, uh, and what are you sniggering at? With him working from home, um, and obviously lockdown and stuff, he, he wanted to create something different in the room. Mm. Yeah. So. I said, look, leave it with me, send me the measurements and stuff, and I'll, I'll have a, a think about what we could do here. So I wanted to make it modern. Mm. I wanted to make it feel like a bigger room. I wanted it to be stylish. I wanted it to, when he's back playing Tinder again, that when he brings the punters back, <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they're, they're drawn into the room, you know. They're not thinking, Jesus, am I going to be stuck in here now if he doesn't let me out? <laughs> um, <laughs> so we went we went with uh, a gorgeous colour trend colour called Dragonfly Wing on the ceiling. It's a dark teal colour. And you can say, a lot of people say to themselves, dark colour on a ceiling, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. We went with an off-white on the walls. 
So what we did was we made the ceiling appear higher and longer, mm. but we made it appear more stylish and warmer. Mm. Yeah. Um, I saw it for the first time tonight, Gary, and like gorgeous isn't the word I'd be in, in, in the habit of using a lot, you know, especially uh, to describe uh, interior design. But gorgeous was the first word that came to my mind when I saw it. Absolutely yeah. beautiful, really beautiful, really tasteful, uh, clean lines and um and the kind of room you wouldn't mind spending a bit of a bit of time in you know absolutely even, even yeah. if Arrow did bolt the door <laughs> <laughs> but no he he's very happy with like, it gary what the red sounds like it was like a boudoir or something was it it, it was it was an absolute uh it had it had the Tinder logo on one of the walls as a feature, <laughs> <laughs> and a, 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 QR, a QR code that if you scan your phone, you go straight to Mero's profile. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a, it was um it was a great project, and everybody's Jennifer's delighted with it. Um, I loved the fact that Mark uh, had an episode when he seen the two tins of paint. He, he thought there wasn't enough paint. Where the fuck did you buy that? And this, that, and the other. And then he was blown away by the product. Um, and yes. as I said, as I said to Mero, um, you, you know, like anything in life, you get what you pay for. And he paid for good paint, and he got an absolutely stunning finish. Mm-hmm. My dad executed it well. Is that right, Dad, Gary? Um, visually, to the likes yourself, it's fine. Um, <laughs> to the uneducated eye yeah which is fine like 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 if let put it this way if he had went out to bolton street in the 80s to serve his time they might have said he's better off working in a factory or something <laughs> but no he done he look he he, he done well um you know he you know he, he done okay well, like he's he doesn't have the finesse but that's not his fault <laughs> he'll love you for this Gary I know look he's a great person but you know <laughs> oh, I concur with Gary uh, ever, ever since the project ca- came to the painting completion uh, I feel like a new person and uh, I'm so grateful for Gary for, for taking on the project of creative director and advising on the colour scheme because we really put up a, a before and after picture because that that before one, just from Gary's description of it, sounds like you. That sounds like you were living in a womb or something. <laughs> <laughs> like it sounds really, really horrendous. Well, it was very dark and it was very close, and now I'm very. Uh, it's very bright and it's very open. Yeah. Would you say, Marrow, you're hornier since the new colours were put in? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that to you. I've I've a spring in my wheels. Very good. Yeah. Same. <laughs> is, it, is it just is it just the interior design that you're lending your, your skills to, or have you considered because obviously you, you worked with a well known uh, wedding planner for your own nuptials and that kind of thing. But have you thought much about branching out into the wedding world? Uh, you know, when I got married, um, and Frank done the wedding. Paul, you're aware of Frank done my wedding, are you? I didn't know that, Gary. No. Yeah, he did. Right. Um, like, it's been syndicated worldwide, Gary, hasn't it? 
Yeah, well, HBO bought the rights to it, but they haven't really done anything with it since 2013. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is he? What are you laughing at now, Mara? H- HBO bought the rights to Frank? Yeah, Frank's DIY bride. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, can I ask, because fill me in on this. Were you, they filmed the whole process of your wedding, did they? Yeah, it was in 20... We got married December 2011, and it aired uh, May of 2012. Okay. And uh, Christmas of 2012. Yeah. And then summer 2013. Right. Um, I wasn't aware of this. And can I, can I ask, did, did you feel what watching it uh, that... That it was a that it was a proper showcase for you. I, I on my word of honor, he went above and beyond uh, for us. Yeah, he was, we we done a winter wonderland theme. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so when Gemma was coming up the aisle, it starts snowing in in the room. I don't mean cocaine. I mean artificial <laughs> snow out of the sky. Unlike um, what our Mally Black weddings, yeah. It's just gorgeous ice sculptures and Christmas trees and stuff. But he brought extra stuff, and it was it was absolutely fantastic. But wow. from somebody who has an interest in design to to work alongside somebody like him, it was absolutely fantastic. It was amazing. So he's a good. He has a good eye then. Like he's got, uh, he, yeah. oh, he's out of this world. Like he he's head of uh, he's head of events for Warner Brothers in Europe. Like wow, right. you know. So when you well not now with COVID, but when you see these big movie premieres in London, like he oversees all that. Oh, uh, yeah. You he know, did John he's... Delaney's 50th, didn't he? Pardon? He did John he... Delaney's 50th. That's right, yeah. It was a yeah. James Bond team. Mm. Yeah. Poor John Delaney, huh? Fuck yeah, him. Poor, poor L. John. <laughs> but so when you were talking about donating to donkeys, I thought he set up a GoFundMe or something. <laughs> <laughs> So, Gary, would you would you get involved in in the the wedding planning or, or or that kind of thing? Would you like to do another one? Well, I done an eighteen month course as you know in twenty fifteen. Mm. Um, you know, event planning. Um, and I was asked. I've been asked to plan a few weddings, and I suppose like. Like if I don't believe in it, I won't do it. Like, and I was a, I was approached by two blind people to plan a wedding, and this isn't a joke. Um, but like there would have had to be a lot of braille activities and stuff, and <laughs> and I, I just I couldn't commit to it. It could be something that I veer into in the future. Like, I'm not ruining it out. (laughs) (laughs) Was it it the braille that put you off, Karen? Or was it just your heart wasn't in it? What do you do? Like, like, like they're going to have blind friends. God loves them. And um, how do you how do you entertain them? How do you impress them? Yeah, like, what do you, do you put a fucking Monopoly board on each table? I don't know. that <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so what would I... <laughs> Oh, 
Danny's <laughs> gone. Danny is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking sweating, laughing. <laughs> oh my god. What that guy talks of being a I didn't mean like I'm not sniggering at blind people, Jesus. No, no, uh, no, 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 oh, no, of course not. None of us are, but we can all picture the image of the guide dog saying, the eyes are just shit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like obviously the slow set the the, the the first dance would be a Stevie Wonder tune and whatever. Um <laughs> Ray Charles doing the ceremony music. <laughs> Oh Jesus! So so uh, so it, di- it didn't did did they did they get married in the end? You know, did, did they live happily ever after? I don't know. Um, they blocked me off all the relevant applications, right. WhatsApp, Twitter, all that, and I never really heard from them again. But now look, it is something I'm gonna do in the future. Mm. Um, good friend of mine, uh, he's actually a, a salmonizer now. Oh, very good. No, he's obviously very quiet at the moment because people aren't getting married and stuff, but it's something that I could branch into in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's we, we recently booked our solemnizer for, for our wedding and uh seems like a lovely bloke. Um had no idea he was on the radio or anything like that, but uh apparently he's one of the, the people that does Christmas FM and everything and It's not Owen McDermott, is it? It's <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 I believe He's, oh, he's uh, not on the radio anymore. That's no, right. he's, he's he's busy with a few other things at the moment. I think um, that pre he's preoccupied. Uh, now, a guy called Keen Harley. He's based in the borough. Um, seems like a lovely, lovely guy. Yeah, seems seems nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's give up your current job to, <clears throat> to go into interior design full time. Um, <clears throat> no, like like. I, I'm very much a believer in you have to you you have to function for what works in in the present moment, yeah. and what I do at the moment absolutely works. So I, I couldn't go back into it. Um, but I, I always said you know if I was to win the Euro Millions, I would open up uh, an interior design slash paint store company. Hundred percent. Paul, have such a passion for it, like. Paul, how often do you redesign your house? Uh, not often. No, not often at all. <clears throat> I, I kind of, uh, I got a bit scared off it a few years ago. Uh, I'm not particularly good at it. Like, you know, I'm not good at, I'm not good at painting. Um, my eye, I've got one good eye and then one honky eye. Uh, <clears throat> so... Sometimes, like I, like I, my taste is either very, very good or very fucking bad, right? So I get things very, I get things completely right or disastrously wrong. So we had a situation in the house here about fifteen years ago where I saw this, uh, and I'm laughing as I say this. I saw this, uh, what color? It was a dark green. Gary, give me some, give me some shades here. Give me, give me something to describe this. Like it was like oh. fir trees, fir, Would the, fir, like a fir tree. Anyway, I painted, I yeah. painted, I, I, I painted the whole. I think we've lost Gary. Have we? 
No, no. Oh. <laughs> he's over here. He's getting a cup of tea. <laughs> he's on the other side of the room, yeah. Gary, this colour was a, it was a dark green. Anyway, I said it, it wasn't Collins green, was it? Geo looks Collins green. It was ve- it, it was very dark. That's all I remember. Like right? a bottle green, like yeah, that's exactly what it was, Gary. So I painted the whole stairs and landing in it, right? And Mary had said to me beforehand, it's too dark. It'll it it just won't work. Anyway, I blazed on, reg- you know, regardless, painted it at the end. I couldn't walk out into the. La- I stayed in the bedroom for about three days because I couldn't go out on the landing because it was giving me a headache every time I looked at it. Right? Oh no, does not. So worse. I'm flicking through the Dulocs, uh, the Dulocs calendar, and Mary wasn't here at the time, and I thought, well, I, I need to cover my mistake with something before she comes back. Right? Uh, so I found this. I saw this room that was painted in this kind of uh, bl- dark blue, and I covered the green with this dark blue, and it took about like. It took about 300 coats to cover the grid. The, the whole stairs and landing shrank. There was so much paint on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> I took about three square meters off the room. Uh, it, 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 anyway, that was worse, right? That was, that was absolutely worse. And I remember it, it depressed me so much. Liverpool won the, won the Champions League uh, against AC Milan. And I was watching it over in uh, my friend Declan Lynch's house here. And I came back and I walked in and it was the whole house was dark blue. And I started painting at about 11 o'clock at night. And I finished at about six o'clock in the morning. And I just oh painted right up. Like, and that was the end of me. And, and it kind of put me off any kind of paint decorating for a, for a few years, you know. But then the house just started getting looking really shabby. And we just started painting rooms and... You must and, have took half an E, Paul, did you? Eleven, go home at eleven and start a paint till six in the fucking morning. Yeah, it was just there was. You see, Liverpool winning the Champions League uh, that night, I would say, excited me, Gary. You know, full of adrenaline. I was, I was pumped up like I was like one of the players. Yeah, I'd say the players afterwards they couldn't sleep. You know, so yeah. I couldn't sleep either. So I had a couple of brandies, and uh, yeah, then I started slopping. Uh, institution white emulsion on the walls you know <laughs> uh, but in the end i had to get a painter uh, uh from bally brack called elton who does who does all our painting and decorating here and uh elton hickey is it yeah yeah elton he's great yeah yeah he does all our bits here and uh and i make a bit of a mess that's the other thing gary like you know so like i paint and you know certain people will be kind of looking at the floor at the mess I'd made of the floor, like, you know, <laughs> and I always say, it's like going to the Sistine Chapel and Michelangelo going, what do you think of the fucking ceiling? And so <laughs> saying, yeah, there's a few, a few flecks on the, on the dresser there, you know, you're trying to fucking genius up above your head there, man. It doesn't excite me. Having it, like having it done excites me, but the actual process of doing it, I, I think I'd nearly rather Hoover. Yeah, no, you see, I, I go balls deep if I'm doing a room, like, it's fucking precision, it's, the colour has to be spot on, it has to be, the, the lines have to be bang on, it's it's actually like a compulsive uh, disorder. But you're a perfect, Gary, if you don't mind me saying this, right, you're a perfectionist in everything you do, like, when it comes, like, decorating, cooking, everything, like, you know, you, you are... Uh, 
you know, you, you're not a dabbler. Like when something, when you want something to be right, it'll be right. That's a very fair remark. And it's something that I'm very proud to hear. Uh, that's just an observation, like, yeah. you know, looking looking but from the outside. But you, you, you do have a passion for whatever you're doing. It's a nice thing, like, you know, I'd... I'd shoot the paint out of a fucking gun on the wall and leave it at that. Like, <laughs> so, so Gary, when you when you hear uh, those coin remarks from Paul, and then you contrast that then to the comments Graham Merrigan made last week on last week's podcast uh, regarding you and uh, your culinary skills, uh, would you care to comment on what Graham said? Well, I thought it was fucking disgusting. Um, it was just <laughs> disgusting remark. Paul, the two lads done a podcast last week. Yeah. And my cooking come into it. I wasn't on the show. Oh, so you'd no right to reply, Gary? No, no. And I fucking see. Alan from The Hangover there, fucking, <laughs> um, he, he said to Danny, do you honestly think he does all that fucking cooking? He could, if he's doing a, me- like, you know, he had a go, like he was, he was sniggering, you know, he was questioning me. Yeah. Uh, he got a he got a fucking design of his bedroom done for free. Yeah. Uh, yet he's more than happy to 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 give the boot, you know, a week later. That's the kind of person we're dealing with here. Yeah. It just um, a bit unfair. And and is, is that why you're on tonight for as a as a right to reply? Well, I would like for tonight for it to be withdrawn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my defence. Um, Gary took on the project of creative, creative director of redesign of my room. And because of firsthand experience of how well he did on that project, I haven't eaten any of Gary's food. So um, I, I, I apologize. Or fucking will you with remarks like that. That's a, that's this a, is a, a terrible a, apology, Meryl. This that's is a mealy mouthed reply. Why don't you just say, oh, I'm not the person uh, today that I was a week ago. I've I've grown a lot since then. Uh, I would hate for people to listen to them comments and think that was a reflection of who I am today. Just say sorry to the guy, Meryl. Exactly. Gary, I'm sorry. That's that's fine, Graham, and we'll move on. But be warned, if you're ever on the property ladder, do not come near me for colour. You don't mean that. I'm just marking your fucking card. He's marking your colour card. (laughs) He doesn't mean that. He loves me, really. Gary, I'd like... I won't be sniggered at if I'm not in the presence of people. Just be aware of that. Yeah, Gary, I'd, li- I'd like it now that I'm still very much looking forward to the come dine with me that we had planned some time ago. Oh, absolutely. I'll yeah. do my monkfish, Valavant. It sounds stunning. They sound, they sound gorgeous. Mm. I've just had a picture sent to me. You know the walrus that was uh, appeared down in Kerry? Yeah. I've just had a picture sent to me with Gordon Elliott sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> the internet's never far off is it it's always that's great you can't beat it i I didn't know the walrus came lying off Kerry. yeah i was somewhere over the west i might i don't know where fucking is limerick in the west it might have been in limerick he's probably responsible for uh fungu what? Fungi. Fungi. Fungu. Fungu. is sushi, isn't it? <laughs> Far from fungu, you are rare. Oh, fuck. Meryl has the fungu under his foreskin, I'd say. 
Let's, we haven't even gone around to talking about how much we all hate Paddy's Day in Cheltenham. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're nearly an hour and a half in here. Um, but can I just say for the record, I hate Cheltenham. Yeah. I hate Paddy's Day. Excellent. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be far behind you now. Uh, I concur 100%. I've no time for Paddy's Day. None. Yeah, yeah. and Cheltenham, Cheltenham is just Bloomsday for pricks, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what blows my mind about Cheltenham, right? And bear in mind, I work in the industry. Like, <clears throat> I can't fathom, but I can't fathom a lot of things about horse racing, but I cannot fathom people taking a week off work, right? Yeah. To lose money. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely remarkable. It's some logic. Everything about it's remarkable. You've got bookies on the radio giving you tips as if it's in their fucking interests for you to take money off them. (laughs) Like they're, they're actually part of the mainstream cup. They're giving you tips saying this would be a good thing to put your money on, put your money on this horse. And it's all fucking rigged anyway. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 a number of years ago and I, I couldn't tell you how many, but, uh, I, I remember the names Cotto star and Denman. Yeah. So if, if that means that to horse racing people, they might be able to put a year on it. But I remember trying to, to get into Cheltenham because like, I'd have mates and, and my brother would be w- watching it or whatever. And it's all right, grand. And I remember uh, we we done a little kind of pool. We all threw in, say, 20 quid. And we agreed on, right, on day one, we'll throw this, we'll throw this, we'll we'll, we'll do our bets based on the pot of money or whatever. And um, one year it worked great. It was fucking fantastic. But... I think, I think it was beginners look or something because every year since I think the lads have torn the fucking, they've been a loss. But they're still convinced that every year will be the big win, like you know. You see, you see, it's the it's the bullshit around it that boils my piss. Yes. You know? like it's it's the fucking like I look at people and they stand there looking at the newspaper for two hours and they'll be fucking talking shit about the weights and the the, the fucking distance the horse ran the last time and all this shit, right? And they'll back a loser. Mm. Then they'll turn around after the race and go, Asher, he was always going to win it because it's fucking this, that, and the other. It's 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 such a bullshit. Uh, it's a bullshit sport, and it's a bullshit. I would just be, be a little bit careful. Here. It's a bullshit industry. Like ninety nine percent Tribune, right? We'd be in the sports department, you know, and uh, there, there was there was a there was a certain personality type. Uh, worked in the advertising department upstairs, you know, and they were kind of spit. There was a sort of gang of spivs there, you know, with the the fucking suits and the the, the pointy shoes and everything, you know, and mm. the slick hair and all that kind of thing. And you'd never see them from what, like, they they were just sort of, you know, saunter around the building, and they'd never come near the sports department. And then Cheltenham week. The sports department was just like a magnet for pricks, like you know these lads. Say. <laughs> Hey guys, any, any chips, guys? Any chips? And, uh, <laughs> and like, no, most none of us really had any interest in horse. We wouldn't even have the telly on, you know. They'd switch the telly, they put the telly on, or if it was on, you know, four, three or four of them would congregate. Uh, yeah, this guy, you know, this guy's good actually. I, I backed him at Fairy House last year, and we, one of us, would get the remote <laughs> control and fucking switch it off. Like, but you do it surreptitiously. You'd have the remote control up your sleeve and just press the off button, and they'd be looking around, wondering why the the telly had gone off, you know. And then, and then they'd all clear off, you know. But, but that's what it was like. It just drew, it the, the Cheltenham drew 
arseholes into the sports department who wouldn't ordinarily have gone in there, you know. And and they were kind. For me, that sums up Cheltenham, you know. Just that, just that, you know. And then those type of men, middle-aged men, like you know, who, who go to Cheltenham, you know, in their droves, like even when there's a pandemic on, and they're told people may die as a result of you going to Cheltenham and coming back and bringing your 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 thing back with you. And many, and many thousand did. Yeah, 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 and they didn't give a fuck either. Like you know, mm. um, remember one. I remember mm. one year me and a friend uh, it was years ago, and remember the the phone apps used to be able to control the tellies. Mm. Once yeah. we put in the make of the telly, we were in the Oigo in Ballybrack, and Cheltenham was on, and the big race was on, and there was loads of people gathered, and they were like, "Well, hit him, hit him, hit him!" Talking, shouting to the jockey, and me and Barry Harrells turned off the telly. There was fucking order. <laughs> 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 I think 99% of the bets I've ever placed on a horse race, be it the Grand National or whatever it is, if I've ever placed a bet on things, it's it's had fuck all to do with any of the so-called smart information or whatever. It's being based on the name of the horse and the name of the horse alone. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, this is the whole thing, like like with, with gambling. Like like gambling should be if you are going to gamble, it should be say a bit of fun, right? Mm. My idea of gambling is to put on. And I don't really gamble, but you should be like gambling. You should be you spend the absolute bare minimum to win the absolute maximum, right? Mm. So if I see somebody spending a euro to try and win fifty grand, that's gambling. Mm. If I see somebody putting a hundred quid on a dog to get back a hundred and seventy, that's a gobshite. Yeah. See, it's 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 mad though because there's fellas then who, and I'm I'm going to say game the system for want of a of a better term here because the system will always win or the house will always win or whatever. But there's fellas who who will will look at a sport say and and not horse racing but something that would be say slightly easier to predict with with the variables like say basketball or motorsport or, or those kind of sports where there are certain elements that are uh, more so in the favor of the punter and there's fellas who will they, they'll they'll make it there like in at the moment over in america march madness is about to kick off which is a massive college basketball thing and there's fellas who will make their entire year's salary on these three weeks of basketball because they they watch and they live and die by college basketball alone so they're ahead of the fellas setting odds in a way. You know what I mean? Like they, they they're anoraks for this stuff. Okay. And it'd be, it would be the same thing with say uh, your NASCAR in America, based on certain tracks. Uh, and and Danny, if you don't mind uh, me saying, if you look yeah. at your brother John, I, I would regard your brother John as a good gambler. Uh, yeah, I I think he'd probably put himself in that bracket as well. I think he'd call himself a smart gambler in the sense of he'd never go right, chasing but- money. Yeah, he's you know? out. He's, he's he's up every every twelve months. He he uh, he keeps he, a spreadsheet. He knows you know, yeah, um, he keeps a spreadsheet of all the sports, all the performances, all the 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 form, all the money that he's put in, all the money he's lost, and all the money he's won. So see that, that never, to me, that's like, like to what Gary was saying though. To me, that's not gambling. That's I don't know what that is. I I wouldn't have the 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 patience nor the brain capacity to even try do that. But well, I do with that, Gary. Like, that Danny, does that? Hmm. Does that take away your enjoyment of sport, right? And like I, I, I bet very little, right? But there's yeah. been matches where 
you know, say if we've been part of a sweep or something and mm. I have to score a 3-1 and it's 3-0 and I'm not actually enjoying the match. I'm just fucking wanting to see another goal go in just so yeah, I yeah. get 3-1. Uh, I, I, I've always found it, it kind of ruins my enjoyment of sport, except I used to bet on the national every year and then I stopped betting on the national about it's about seven years ago when they when that horse didn't want to run and they made him run and he he yeah, yeah. died. They shot him. They shot him on the course. They humanely euthanized him. Uh, and I and I just said after that it was just too cruel for me. Like you know. Mm. Um, but but as the, as for the other stuff like the the football and stuff like that, if I had a bet in the match, it would just ruin the match for me. And I kind of think a lot of gamblers they're not really sports fans. They're odds fans. Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair assessment. Like, I'd if I put a bet on the football, I'd I wouldn't even bother doing something on the score. I'd be more likely to go. Do you know what? I fancy, I don't know, fucking Wan Bissaka to get booked tonight. And but, but like what you're saying, then if the match is a bit shit, and it tends to be when United are playing, unfortunately these days. But I'd by the by the hour mark, I'd be like. Would he not just fucking lunge into a tackle here to give me a bit of joy? <laughs> Would he not just open some fella for me? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to text from you, Danny. I'm waiting on so and so to get a yellow card. <laughs> you know, but that's what it becomes. If like if if the match is decent, I don't care. But then if the match is a bit shit, I'm kind of I start getting a bit kind of like Jesus. Now I'd I'd love if Luke Shaw just fucking upended somebody. Now that make me night like. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I think I think I think you're you're right when you say that. Kind of, some people be more odds fans. They'd look at it and they'd see they think that's an opportunity as opposed to looking forward to the match later or whatever. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's a look. At, it's like everything in life. If you if you drink too much fizzy drinks, you're gonna have bad teeth. Um. Or if, wind, Gary. Or wind. You know, yeah. self discipline and knowing your limits and knowing what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing to function your life. If you're going to be irresponsible with anything, mm. it will chew you up. So, cop the fuck on, you know? Don't, don't take 100 quid out of the bank to put on a dog if you can't afford it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, and Paddy's Day is just a load of shite then, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> 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 yeah. But in terms of the two, I think... Paddy's Day is for the Irish outside of Ireland, I think. Yeah, I was in I was in New York for Paddy's Day a few years ago, right? And I had this myth about Paddy's Day in New York where the whole city came to a standstill to celebrate the role that Irish America, that Irish people had played in building uh, America and building New York. That's what I thought. I thought mm. everybody. And I, I discovered that it was about as much loved as if you're on the M50 and there's two fellas in sulkies uh, racing horses in the lane ahead of you, and everybody's <laughs> gone, "What the? F- what is going on? What?" That's what was happening. <laughs> People were looking at each other and shaking their heads. Fifth Avenue was closed, so everybody in the city—it's a normal day for everybody else—and they're wandering around. They're trying to get from here to there, and they're trying to work out, you know. Uh, if that road is closed, does that mean, I, you know, does that mean I can't get the subway from there? So I'm going to have to walk six blocks. And all you can hear in the city is people cursing the Irish <laughs> for their day. 
Like I didn't feel any goodwill towards Ireland, the Irish. In fact, I pretended to be English that day. I put on the, the uh, Grange Hill Tucker Jenkins accent that I had when I was eight years of age and growing up in England. And, you know, I just kind of do what, mate? Me, just walked around the city, just pretended to be British. I might have even said some anti-Irish stuff. <laughs> it's for people who have a 99 in one hand and a pint of Smithics in the other. Just fucking go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, I've never been to a Patrick's Day parade and I've no intention of ever going to one none can I say something here because for me it's not just it's not just uh, Paddy's Day uh, I have a problem with right I I don't feel anything when I hear uh, the Irish National Anthem nothing Right. Yeah. I don't feel anything when somebody asks me, are you proud to be Irish or anything like that? And I know I'm unusual in that, but I just nationalism just does nothing for me whatsoever. No, I'm the same, Paul. The only time I was ever proud to be Irish was when uh, we all fucking stood up and told Irish water to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was in Australia and I told a lot, a lot of people about Hicks Budden. That was about fucking it. I didn't tell them about being Irish. Yeah. Hicks, Hicks Budden is definitely something that should be sent around the world as far as I'm concerned. But I, I'd be the same. When it comes to... See, I, I don't know. I, the National Anthem to me is, is a, it's a non-event. It's a non-runner. like Because National Anthems should begin and end with France and Scotland. They got it right. <laughs> The, yeah. Those two anthems are, and especially if you're in a stadium and you hear them in the flesh, it's fucking unbelievable. And then, you know, a, a bunch of lads kind of mumbling the parts of the fucking hour on the van they don't fully know or whatever. And then it gets to the end and they can't wait for the last two lines and they just start shouting, come on, Ireland, you know? Um, I, I kind of, I respect that really, because the words of, of our on the van are so terrible anyway. Like, it's a war song, you know? I, I think, I think... Sh- the whole thing should be just come on Ireland, you know, if you're going to go for it. Um, but, but I, I don't know. I, for me, nationalism, it's just a fucking 19th century thing. It just, it does, it does nothing for me. I've ne- And that might be something to do with the fact that I grew up in England and then moved to Ireland. But, you know, I remember I was going to an Ireland match once and I had, uh, my mad made me a, a tricolour, you know, she'd sewed together. She got the fabric from Hickey's and made me a tricolour. And I was getting, I got off early from school and actually Johnny Moy was with me. We were going off and Stephen Brown from Ballybrack and we all had our tricolours like pinned around us, like we were wearing them like capes, you know. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Heaney, the history teacher, came out and he started laying into us about disrespecting the flag, you know. And, and I, I just... It just, I, I didn't feel I was disrespecting the flag. In, it. in fact, I got loads of autographs all over the flag. Like, you know, I had people, yeah. Liam Brady writing on it and stuff like that, you know, and it never would, it never would occur to me that this was some fucking sacred artifact or something, you know, and I, I, I just kind of felt people. It was fabric. <laughs> it was Ricky's, yeah. Yeah, it was shiny. So the, the autographs always washed off in the rain. So the next day you'd be looking, you'd be saying to lads, I got, that's I got Liam Brady, and then you look at him and go, "Fuck, Liam Brady last night was there." I swear. <laughs> uh, but all, <clears throat> none of that ever did anything for me. No, like proud to be Irish, all that kind of thing. Yeah. I always just felt it was it just felt a bit put on or something, you know. And that's yeah, why I, I think that's why I hate international football breaks as well. Like you know, mm. 
it, it, like being like people who are banging on about being proud to be Irish, the likes people. And Jesus, I had a phase of it, but they love the Wolf Towns and they they go to Wolf Towns gigs with Celtic jerseys and they shout up the rat ten to twelve in the evening and yeah, um, <laughs> you know they they probably have a machine gun tattoo on their back. Is this a dick at you, Meryl? He's <laughs> <laughs> getting you back, isn't he? After the, the comment last week about the cooking. Gary was more into the Wolf Towns than me. <laughs> Meryl has a BB Baskin tattoo. I don't know if you're aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is it, Meryl? <laughs> On his arse. <laughs> uh, yeah, the fucking hell. It's um, it's something I never really got into. I never, and the whole like, I like. I like Ireland and I like Irish people because I'm from there. So you know that that's that's kind of the extent of it. I feel like we're we're a great bunch for a bit of crack, but at the same time, I'm kind of like there, there's that whole thing of an international football. I hate this thing of we're great fans, we're the best fans in the world, and 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 I hate all that kind of bullshit. I'm like it's a fucking football match, go away and stop with your nonsense kind of thing. I I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't like when what was it from the Euros a few years ago when and I remember kind of like videos going viral and all that of and a, a bit of cracks, a bit of crack and all, but I just kind of thought like it's a football tournament. Like, get I I don't give a fuck about cheering some some well I, I don't know like there was videos going around that like lads uh, cheering when women came out at fucking Victoria's Secret or whatever like. Yeah, um, the best the best bit of the last international tournament was when the Russians were kicking the fuck out of the English, <laughs> and and the English uh, shit the shit the bed, and and start teaming up with the Welsh, and they were singing "We're England and Wales, We're England and Wales, fuck off Russia, We're England and Wales." Now you shit the bed, lads. That's what happened. And yeah. I think international football is a shit show, and 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 we have this fucking World Cup in Qatar now next year. Yeah, uh, yeah. and the football season stops in November. I think a lot of clubs would be pulling their players out of that, like you know, saying pretend you're injured. Yeah. Mm. Well, but see, I've got a lot of a lot of family uh, who live away from Ireland, right? And they haven't really lived here for say forty years, right? And they have a totally, they're actually more, they're more connected to the idea of Ireland and Irishness than I am living here. And that's why I think a lot of this is just about myth building, because like they listen to, they listen to Foster and Allen, right? And they think we listen to Foster and Allen. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they're, <laughs> I'd love to hear Foster and Allen do a power ballad now. But ah, both, when, I was, when I was in uh, New Zealand uh, for Paddy's Day years ago, Christchurch, there, we found an Irish bar that had a Foster and Allen, Allen tribute night, and I didn't know who Foster and Allen were. <laughs> they sell more records than you too. You serious? Yeah, they're the biggest selling Irish band in the world, and it's all expats buy it, like all kind of people who talk about all the old country. They're going back to the old country. That's what I was saying about Paddy's Day. Paddy's Day is more. I don't not like Paddy's Day. I I never. I, the, there was maybe five, six years in a row where I would have went to the pub on Paddy's Day just for for a day of drinking. Mm. But um, I think it's more 
more for and more loved by expats that have been out of the country for a long period of time where they probably get a bit homesick for the day. Um, yeah. Danny's Danny's thing about the best fans in the world thing, I mean, that's probably, and then Gary saying about the English fans, that's all that is. That's basically saying, uh, thank God our lads aren't wrecking the gaff or throwing fucking chairs or... Yeah, I don't think it is. We're celebrating getting a fucking certificate that FIFA printed out of Microsoft Word Cram. But in fairness, the Irish fans, they just litter. Whereas the English (laughs) fans just wreck it, wreck it. I was in Basel once and uh, Ireland had played one of their regular shitty nil-nil draws with Switzerland in Basel. (laughs) I remember the next day, uh, the... it just looked like the Psalm or something. Like the town was just wrecked, like, you know. No, not no broken glass or broken chairs, just litter everywhere, cans everywhere, you know. Just loads of Toblerones discarded. Toblerones, yeah, yeah, giant Toblerones. <laughs> uh, deflated uh, vinyl shamrocks and stuff like that. <laughs> and I heard this man say to his son, This is re- this Basel has a reputation for being one of the cleanest cities in the world. And look at it, son, we wrecked it. the last time when you were when you were working uh you know what you're saying there about international football and you don't like it and stuff like that but you did say before that when you were working at ireland versus holland when mcateer scored you stood up Uh, that's the greatest that's probably the greatest sporting event i was ever at in my life see i think it meant more in those days when did it die when did it die in your head then (sighs) I think Steve Staunton came out. 15 years of Steve Staunton, yeah. Trapattoni, and Martin O'Neill. Like, see, the, the thing is, what Ireland actually forgot during those years is that pe- people paying to watch a football match are entitled to a certain standard of entertainment, right? Football is, first and foremost, entertainment. And while I'm not a fan of Manchester United, Alex Ferguson understood that that you have to entertain the crowd. That's what they're there. That's the whole point of why we're doing this. And when Liverpool were playing uh, terrible long ball football under Gerard Houllier, I got no joy whatsoever out of watching them because they had no ambition. I got much more joy out of watching them under Roy Evans, where they actually had, they were winning nothing and I had the ambition to try and play. And for about 15 years, Ireland uh, were just happy to play terrible football and draw nil-nil or 1-1 or lose 1-0. And they've got, kind of gone back to that now as well. I mean, some of the some of the worst some of the worst days of my life in the last 20 years have been watching Ireland. Like really, genuinely. Mick McCarthy, <laughs> the first time round had a commitment to play great football, and we had we had really good players in those days. And and it was there was just something special. There was an atmosphere around the Ireland team. There isn't any more now. Even the people who go to see the matches don't like being there. I, I got that under you know under Steve Staunton and Trapattoni when I was I wasn't a journalist anymore. So I bought I bought one of those you know like lifetime tickets like you know where mm. you have to essentially pay the FAI until you die for your tickets. <laughs> And <laughs> and no, I wasn't enjoying the matches and nobody around me was. There was great banter in the crowd, but no one was watching the football with any great interest. You know, it was all about this guy shouted this and, you know, somebody else shouts something back. And, and we were if we were united, it was just in our shared sense that we were having a terrible time. You know, it's kind of a good forerunner to COVID, really. 
<laughs> just sitting around, like, you know, talking on talking to people except on Zoom about how shit everything is. That's what that's what following the Ireland team was like between what two thousand and five and two thousand and now. Yeah. you know yeah it's uh it's a penance it's, like it's really a penance i put on mean. like i put on like andorra and san marino the last international break like you know just to say because it's live on television and this is this is what they've done with international football now they they, they think we we throw with we throw loads and loads of shit at the wall and hope it sticks san marino san marino and andorra shouldn't be on the television even if there was a fucking dragon in the stadium, right? <laughs> even if they, even if they tried to make it more interesting by releasing like live lions onto the pitch, they could not make Andorra against San Marino in any way interesting, right? If Elvis came back from the dead and played a concert at halftime, I still wouldn't watch it, right? I'd turn the telly off, and and I just thought I'd stick this on just to see, just to see what it's about, you know. And they didn't disappoint me. They didn't disappoint me. It was just absolutely turgid. Like, really, really terrible football. What do you expect of that? Uh, I was expecting Liverpool Football Club, really. You know, when I turn on the telly at the weekend, I want to see I want to see Liverpool Football Club. But this international football thing is a cod because the players don't even believe. They've brought this Nations League in and they're trying to convince oh. them. Even the players don't believe they're competitive matches. And you can see they don't want to get injured. Uh, that's why all the matches are finishing 1-0 nil or 0-0. Nil, nil. You know, and, and nobody's putting their foot in. Uh, it's, just, it's just completely horrible. There should be less international football, not more. Yeah, the, the, the Nations League is, is, is a fucking shit show. Of a, it, it, just, it was absolutely nothing for me. And I think the last time you were on, we were saying... What do you have to do to get knocked out of Jesus thing? What, yeah. what do you have to do to for it to go away? Kind of like it's just it's we're never still in ending. it. It's over. The, the European Championships uh, should have been play, played last summer. I think we only just went out of it, didn't we? Yeah, like it's <laughs> we just knocked out of it about three weeks ago. Oh, it's terrible nonsense. You know? And and the thing about football is football. See, football is the perfect model for uh, for multiculturalism and how it should work, right? You look at look at Man United, look at Liverpool, look at Spurs, look at Chelsea. You've got like twenty five different nationalities sharing a workspace, right, and living together and producing together, producing brilliant things, beautiful art, and working together in perfect harmony. You know, and then five or six times a season, five or six, no, probably what six or seven times a season, they all go off to play for their countries. And that's when you just suddenly think, oh, yeah, I never really thought of Virgil van Dijk as being Dutch before, you know. <laughs> and, and then you suddenly have to think in nationalistic terms, which I fucking hate anyway. Like, I just hate that whole country versus country thing. I just think it's a nonsense. Like, and uh, so so it does nothing. It does absolutely nothing for me. Nothing whatsoever. And, and I, th- I think on that note, lads, I think uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll start to wrap up and I'll just wish you uh, a happy Patrick's Day and. Hope he's enjoyed his health, no man. Do you upcoming international window? <laughs> <laughs> and you know I'll watch every match and moan about it. <laughs> That's it, yeah. In, in between the horse race and flick over, yeah. I just want um, to thank uh, all the people from Ballybrack that have messaged me that have said they've bought Manscaped 
and uh, thanks lads and there's going to be there, I suppose there's a an influx of uh, hairless flutes around Ballyrack now so thanks lads uh, yeah it's uh, it's great and just just to clarify when when we say 20% off that that's off the price of your Manscaped kit it's not off your member safety force lads it does have skin safe technology so don't worry you're, you're covered there Um <laughs> Oh god, I can't believe we're getting paid for fucking people shaving their balls. It's a fantastic world we live in, lads. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gary, uh, is there anything you'd like to say before we before we wrap up this evening? No, just uh, if people um have some common manners if they're in a supermarket, just because you have two items <laughs> in your fucking hands, uh, give people space to to put stuff. Uh, on the fucking runway and get their own stuff done and observe uh, the two meter social distance rules. Yep. And never ever be the person who loads up the, the, the runway to say and then says, Oh, sorry, do you mind if I just run and grab? I forgot to grab something. No, never be, be that person. person. And also, just, just in support of Gary, because I, I, I do support him on this. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you're in the supermarket, uh, you. you, you that thing of I've only got two items, can I go through? I don't think you should ever ask to play through on a supermarket queue, right? It's not, you know, it's not the pigeon put course, right? You just wait your turn, right? It's not like the it's not like it's gonna Gary's gonna take three hours to put his, his items through. Mm. I think that uh playing through thing is something that should be offered. You should wait in the queue uh until somebody says, You only have two items, why don't you go ahead with me? I don't think it's I don't think something you should suggest if you have two items. Well, if you put it into context, Paul, if I was standing at a bar ordering drinks, right? Yeah. Can I have four vodkas, two Red Bulls, four pints of Guinness, and somebody interrupts you and said, sorry, I'm only getting two pints of Heineken. Can I jump in ahead? What would you do? You'd fucking (laughs) laugh at them. Well, glass them, Gary. Yeah. (laughs) No, absolutely. Yeah. Apparently, that's what would happen in the Rambler's Rest anyway. It, it should happen in any foot. It should happen in fucking Finnegan's. Because it's, it's behaviour of animals. Give people their fucking space. Absolutely, yeah. Um, if, if, if there's a lesson that comes out of this, if we were to sum it up in, in one sentence, it would be that. Give people their space. Absolutely. Uh, Paul, i seen uh, the, the paperback edition of Ross. Is, is, uh, the cover is the first one without Ross on it. Have you got the next book finished already? I have actually, yeah, I finished it. I'm doing the rewrites this week and next week. It's due next Wednesday, and um, I'm not allowed to tell you the title. I'm dying to tell you the title, but I can't. <laughs> I'm not allowed. Uh, I signed a non-disclosure agreement, um, so uh, uh, I can't you want, tell you. But, do you want to tell us, and I promise I'll edit it out? No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I don't trust you. It's just that I would be in breach of a of a... Anyway, um, so like Merlo and restraining orders, I get you. No worries. So it's so that's that's done, um, and uh, I'm happy with it. So I'm I'm doing rewrites at the moment. They're due next week, and I have a book of columns coming out called Rock of Ages. It's the best of the Ross Carroll Kelly columns going back twenty years, yes. uh, and that's coming out the first week in April. So right. going uh, back twenty years, I'd say that was like research, and that was a pain in the arse, was it? Well, I had them all on the computer, Mero, um, which, was, which was handy enough. Uh, but it was a bit weird going back through them because, like, there was loads of stuff I forgot. Like, at the beginning, Ross had a little brother called Jamie O'Carroll Kelly. 
jock. And I fucking, like, I just, I wrote about him for about three weeks and then I just forgot he had the brother and never wrote about him ever again. And <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. And then he was drinking Miller instead of Hino. I can't imagine what was going through my mind when I was had Ross drinking Miller. Weird stuff. He must have been in the gin mill, pal. <laughs> <laughs> is that a Miller? That's a Miller spot, is it? They have Miller there. Uh, I have a question for Paul Howard, please. Yeah, go ahead, Gary. Yeah. Um, do we have an update on Ballybrack boys? Well, I, I, I mean, we're still, we're still kind of where we were two months ago. You know, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm working away on it, and um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it, it's going to happen uh, pretty soon. You know, uh, but the thing, the thing about television is nothing happens for ages and ages and ages, and then it either drops off the edge of the world or it just suddenly happens very quickly. Then, but I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure this is going to happen and uh, I've the scripts written and I'm really excited about it. That's all I can say. To to borrow a phrase, a nation holds its breath. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a community holds its breath. (laughs) 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 I want to film in Cromleck Fields. That's the thing I keep, I keep uh, thinking like, you know, because I, because when, as I'm writing the stuff, I'm, I'm picturing, I'm picturing all these things that happened in my childhood, and I can't imagine them being filmed on a set somewhere. You know, I'd wanted, I wanted to happen on location uh, in Cromleck Fields. Like it, that's, that's where, that's yeah. where it has happened. Brilliant, love it, love it. Um, lads. It's always, it's always a pleasure, and uh, no, no doubt we'll be doing this again, uh, probably in another two or three months' time. Fingers crossed we'll all be up to our flute and vaccine and we might actually be doing face-to-face. But uh, for now, Gary's broken camera and Meryl's dodgy Wi-Fi will have to suffice. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you very much. Pleasure um, as always. Thanks, lads. Yeah, Gar- Gary, would you like to do the outro for us this week? Yeah, uh, I wasn't expecting that, but yeah. Um, you can listen to all previous 238 episodes on the RTE player. <laughs> if you have a Virgin Media box, uh, you won't get it, but you will get it in 2024. <laughs> if you have cable link, you're fucked. <laughs> but you can find us on WTSPod.com. I think I got that right, did I? You did, yeah, you did. Um, which is an internet site which is available through uh, www.domain. I'm turning into Vincent Brown here. <laughs> <laughs> Text the word hash followed by uh, Rowley uh, Robbins. Um, you can find us on Spotify and you can also, uh, through the WTS pod website, watch the Brookside box set. <laughs> For some reason, Gary, and we don't know why, the last three episodes are missing off season four. We'll get to the bottom of it eventually. <laughs> we, we blame Jimmy Carkill, the fucking tramp. <laughs> oh, Gary, thank you very much for that outro. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Merlo, until next week. Paul, thank you very much. Gary, thank you very much. Looking forward to the next time. God bless you.